Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. You know, there are some days that it feels like you're going through the fire and you can't get cooled off at all sometimes. Melissa alluded to it this morning. I got up this morning and it felt like I put my left foot down instead of the right foot down and I didn't know which way to go. I got here to the church. I got the baptismal pool. I thought everything was going smooth for a second. And then I go to load up my sermon on my iPad and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, where did it go? I mean, can you imagine... I mean, I, I, I could probably tell you what my sermon says without reading it. It's a comfort thing for a pastor to be able to go back when they have one of those, well, when the brain forgets because you get older, to go back and remind you about what's going on. So that being said, I'm so thankful that you're here this morning. Um, we're just going to go and we'll do those at the end there, Yetta. I'm throwing Yetta off too. The order of service is just thrown out the window. Let's just, let's just do this. It's gone. It's over. Because there's something that's been stirring within me for the last month as I've been getting this church sermon going. I'm just going to go and kick this thing off the side and just say, Holy Spirit, the rest is yours. But I've been going crazy and, and, and really processing as we started the series called Holy Spirit Who? Because I can remember the first time I heard about the Holy Spirit and I was looking at the pastor and I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, I know who God the Father is because he's the creator God. I know who Jesus is because he went to the cross and he, and he, and he died. And, and it says that if I believe on him and I cast all of it to his feet, that he would take the punishment of all my wrongdoings and give me freedom. And then they brought this third person of the, Holy Spirit, or the, Holy, of the Trinity and they called him the Holy Spirit. And I said, am I going to get haunted or something? Because they didn't call him the Spirit, they called him the Holy Ghost. Now keep in mind, I was not saved at a baby age. I was saved as a teenager, and sometimes teenagers don't always think. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. But there's something to who God is, and when he's trying to expose who he is to humanity, it seems like our thick skulls get into the way, way too often. And then this week... As I was praying and as I was building the message on, God gave me a memory of a childhood memory that I can really, really just put onto. Part of it was because I walked outside and I started realizing I was sweating too much. Probably what God was trying to tell me is I need to put some shorts on or something. I don't know. But he brought the memory as a childhood where my parents, because of the energy bill and we didn't have always a ton of money, didn't always like to set the AC to anything below 75. And being a chunky kid, I sweat. And it, the houses we had, we had one ceiling fan in the living room, but not in the bedroom. So therefore, as kids, we got accustomed to this really cool tool that always seemed like it hit our house when it needed to. I'm going to pull it out here for you. Brother Kenny told me as I was pulling it out, this is my biggest fan. 
I said, you don't realize that sometimes I don't got a lot of fans in my life, except for these kind of fans. But see, I would go plug this into the wall, and me and my brother, for some reason, we got the best laughs out of our lives. Because you know what you do with these fans when you're a kid, right? You put your face right up to it, and you start speaking, and all of a sudden it comes back with that funny little like voice thing. I can't do it right. I gotta ask you, what did you used to tell in the fan? What was it you used to always talk in the fan and say? Come on, talk back to me. I, what did you go when you looked at it? What did you tell, tell the fan when you were getting a kick out of it? Because me and my kids, are, what is it? I am not the only one. It wasn't until long ago, or not that long ago, until I became a really st- a large Star Wars fan, I realized that was the wrong quote anyway. Because Darth Vader never said, I am your father. He says, what? Exactly. He doesn't say, Luke, I am. But I, I just get there. At least I got somebody that's got some Star Wars smarts going on in here. You see, it's the memories like that that bring back some fondness to it. Because I can remember growing up sweating. I can remember growing up looking at that fan and just talking into it and just having the best days of my life with no care. Because all I knew was when I was hot, I turned the knob. And I just sat and I just let it just go all over me. And I could just feel the sweat just evaporate off. It was the wonderful times of our lives. It's the things that we hold on to. That's why in our house we still have fans. We like the ceiling fan because it keeps us cool all the time. But one thing that the Lord just kept ministering into my heart and my mind to tell you this morning. Is that there's more to this life than what we have. There's more to this life if we would just remember it. Like we're remembering Memorial Day this week. Where we're remembering those men and women who would put on the uniform and say, I don't care what the cost is. I'm all in. You know, I have battle buddies that I went to the basic training with and that I served that didn't make it home. And I remember those guys. And I'm thankful for each and every one of them that said, I don't care. But it's something about today that just seems like it was so chaotic, but God had such a perfect timing that it all correlated right here, right now. Because Sister Amy, I told you when I was doing the planning session, I didn't know all of it was getting done when I planned the baptism service. I looked at the calendar and just said, we're going to do it right here. Because I think that's a good day. And then I looked at the calendar and I said, well, that's Pentecost Sunday. Amen. That's a great service. And then I looked down again and I said, that's Memorial Day. Oh, Lord, what have I done? (laughs) But the truth is, God worked it all together to make us realize that we have to remember who he is. Remember what the cross signifies. Remember the power that that brings to us. But also remember that we have to live our lives like we're getting dunked in the tank every single day. You're looking at me funny. 
No, 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 no. Somebody's got to get this here. We got to live our lives willing to get wet every single day of our lives as we say, I don't care what it is. I'm dead to self and I'm being raised to life to Christ. It's only then that we can really remember and understand what the significance of a Pentecost Sunday. Because today, I already know, you already know what I'm going to kind of preach out of. If you've been in the church of God any time long enough, you will know that Acts chapter 2 is going to get talked about. But there's some significance that we have to look at in our own lives today. There's some power that we have to really connect with in today's moment because what it's trying to do is trying to get us to become aware. What God is trying to get us to do is become to realize that we have hope and hope more abundantly than we'd ever know, but we have to seek after what God has got. You see, the day of Pentecost is 50 days after Easter, after the Passover. And in the moments, in the historical nature of who Jesus is, we know that on the third day, Easter day, he raised from the dead and he was walking for 40 days with his disciples, teaching them and talking to other people, not just the 12 or 11. And he was encouraging them. He was equipping them for different things. But there was something that happened within those 40 days that I think that we need to realize is that when Jesus was talking with them, he already knew they weren't enough. What do you mean, pastor? They're not enough? I mean, they walked around with Jesus for three years and they're not enough? They were able to heal the sick. And they're not enough? They were able to cast out demons and they're not enough? How does that apply to your life? You mean I come to church every Sunday and you say I'm not enough? You say I, I give all my tithe and the money and that's not enough? You say that I'm a good person and that's not enough. Can I just say right now? Yes, you're not enough. Those are words that people hate to hear. People don't like to hear the negative stuff, Sister Brenda. They don't like to hear the truth sometimes because they think that they're all right and all that in a bag of chips sometimes. They think it's all good. That's why I kind of find it so peculiar that we live in a world where they're always talking about me, 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 me. But the second you counteract anything about me, they get really, really, really claws out offensive or defensive. But it's true to the nature of our humanity. See, Jesus looked at the disciples during that 40 days, and he says, oh, you know what? I've equipped you, I've taught you everything, but there's something that you don't have that you need. So at the 40 days, he ascends, and he says, hey, what I want you to do is going to seem a little weird, but what Luke 4, uh, 24 and 49 says, behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with the power on Clothed with the power on high. Let me tell you, if God speaks something, take it to the bank. If God spoke a promise over your life, take it to the bank. That's why I love Brother Mike's testimony. He was praying, 
And guess what happened? God spoke and used somebody to be a vessel of his voice and allowed him to have the encouragement that if God spoke it, it's done. And when Jesus spoke to the disciples and he says, I want you to go and wait. I'm not telling you how long. I'm not telling you when it's going to happen because it's not to the time or the seasons to know. But I want you to go into the city where you're pretty much marked because you knew who I was and you were one of my disciples. You're marked, but you're going to go over there and you're going to wait. That's not something in the human nature that really works out very well. Can I ask you a real quick question? How long does it take for you to honk your horn when the person doesn't hit the gas pedal when the light turns green? I got one. Brother Chip says, I'm good. Let me tell you this morning, as I was coming back after I already fixed my sermon on my computer at home and it was going through the cloud and going to trickle down to my iPad, I got stuck behind somebody in the corner of Market and Midlothian and they just sat there for a good 15 seconds after it turned green. And something in my spirit said, you don't need to honk the horn, but something in my flesh says it needs to get going because I'm late. But that just shows the heart of where we're at. We don't like to wait. We don't like to go, you mean, I have to hold on? It's like Christmas time. Who likes to wait for the presence of Christmas? I can remember being a child at Christmas and I'm waiting at my grandparents' house. They're eating dinner and I'm like, I've already scarfed down about five bowls of dumplings and about 20 pounds of turkey sitting on the couch going, I'm going to explode, but can I open presents? And I got told, no, you got to wait. And I said, how long? Well, when we're done. And I said, well, you're done now. And I said, we got to do the dishes first. And I said, I'm going to die. It's not in our nature to want to wait. But can I say one thing? Sometimes the best things are worth the wait. Sometimes the things we really need have to be waited upon for God's perfect timing to come forth into the purple, perfect, perfect, uh, I can't even get the word out. Perfect, I can't even, just Bear with me here. Lord, help me. But we have to wait for his perfect provisions to come through right at the nick of time. And that's what has to go into our moments in every single day life. Because we live waiting and longing for something more. You see, the disciples, I'm sure when Jesus ascended, they were like, okay, Lord, we're ready. Come on back and let's get the kingdom done. I'm over it. And when he looked at him and said, nope, you're waiting. You're holding off. You got to get the promise that the Lord has already spoken over each and every one of your lives. Hold on. And I'm not sure they were like, oh, me. But that's what happens. You see, the promise is the Holy Spirit. He's got to come into the world and he's got to start working on it. But here's the point that I have to bring back to you. Two weeks or three weeks ago, we talked about the first week before Mother's Day. How the Holy Spirit was at the beginning of creation, moving on it, stirring it up and getting it going and bringing life through it all. 
Because the Spirit is life. And it does not dwell in dead things. And then two, last week we talked about how the Spirit is the one that encompasses us to encourage us that we are reminded to be more than conquerors. And if the Holy Spirit's moving in those aspects, and Jesus is saying, you've got to wait because even though the Holy Spirit's been moving on the earth, there's something even more powerful that has to come through because I have to set you up with the ability to have something so supernatural to get you through it. Because the first point I need to tell somebody today is that the Holy Spirit is here with us, each and every one of us today, to empower you. But pastor, what does that look like? It looks like a lot of crazy stuff. That's why Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, what we find was that the account occurred that when the day of Pentecost had arrived, and they were all together in one place, praying and seeking God in those moments. And suddenly there came from heaven like a sound of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. It was moving and God was trying to stir something up to hold on to the promise like what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us where it says, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when He comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. He wants to empower you, to equip you, to be able to do some crazy things for Him. You want to know how I know that? That woman that came and talked to Mike. She read his mail. And it wasn't some kind of email. It wasn't kind of snail mail. It was a prayer mail. And when prayer mail gets read, you know it's God moving. There's some supernatural things that we have to connect with. Because that is what God is trying to waken up within us. That we do not fight against flesh and blood. Or blood, but by spiritual principalities that want to seek to kill, steal, and destroy everything that God has. Because what the enemy wants to do is to get us to be dead. So then therefore God's spirit cannot be within us and dwell within us and to empower us. Let me tell you right now, this morning, it felt like the enemy was trying to do everything under the sun to get me to feel less empowered. You wake up and you're like, oh, it's dead. I got to go to work some days, right? I got to get coffee first, right? Trust me, my kids know in my house that they don't start talking until I get my first sip of coffee. But things have to happen to occur for beginnings to occur. Things have to happen for new beginnings to start. Historians will tell you that the church did not exist before Acts chapter 2. It wasn't until God started speaking to the church that Acts chapter 2, that moment, that God was able to set it up to be the, 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 just the beginning point and the catapulting point for everyone to hear the hope that we all have today. It's that moment that when people were looking around and all of a sudden they started hearing languages from all over the known world at the time. They were like, what is going on? These people up there, I hear my language. What is going on? Supernatural things are what's going on. And people were trying to tell everybody else, this is not supernatural. 
They're just drunk. And Peter got up and gave the best message in the whole wide world right then and there. He says, we are not drunk as you suppose, but we are like what Joel wrote when he says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You see, we have to realize that there are some spiritual forces that want to diminish us. There's a lot of things in this world that want to counteract everything that God is doing in your life. And you need the Holy Spirit to get through it all. I can't wake up without the Holy Spirit. I can't get going without the Holy Spirit. I can't get anything done without the Holy Spirit, it feels like. Because what I'm doing right here every single day, not just as a pastor, but as a father, as a husband, as a son, as a human being on this world, trying to get through and get through this muck, I can't do it all without the Holy Spirit. Let alone be bold enough to do what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says where I'm supposed to be a witness. Because being a witness... Puts a mark on your back. You see, I got ten minutes and five more pages of notes. And sometimes my five pages of notes turn into five hours. We'll see how it gets. I hope you're ready, Sister Brenda. You might get back home a little late. (laughs) But sometimes being a witness takes a little bit more out of us. Because what we have to realize is that it puts a target on our backs. That's why when Brother Kenny says that God bless you for getting baptized, it's the best stuff is about ready to come on afterwards. But get ready. Get ready. You've got a target on your back because the enemy wants to diminish the power that's within you. But I need to tell somebody this morning that the Holy Spirit is not just hovering around you. He's dwelling within you because he wants to give you the ability to be bold when everyone else around you wants to cast you down. When they don't want to hear what you have to say. When they don't want you to love them because you don't love them for who they are, but you love them for what God says they are. He wants you to be brave enough to overcome the fear of rejection and the fear of loss. He's going to equip you with that. He's going to equip you with some supernatural determination. Supernatural determination. That one right there, when God rocked that in me, I'm like, God, there are days that I want to cut, the, just cut it off and just say, I'm done. Throw in the towel. I'm over. There are some days that people are just flat out horrible. And I just want to do nothing but just to smack them. There are some days that my emotions and my, 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 my mental acuity and everything that I deal with doesn't seem like it measures up. But can I tell you when the enemy's trying to stir up that wrong stuff in your mind, that the Holy Spirit's trying to get in you and say, you're more than conquerors. You can get through this. Lean in on me. Trust me in this. Let me show you that your determination to be wholeheartedly sold out for me is worth the cost in the end. Somebody needs to hear that right now. There's a determination spirit that God wants to put within you to keep you holding on to the ultimate hope that we have. And better yet, he gives you wisdom that goes beyond all understanding. That's why when the word says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let them ask the Father and he will Give it to them. And that's going to come through the Holy Spirit. 
Because what he's trying to do is he's trying to get you to understand your purpose is to be his witness. You know, there's a sad, sad statistic. I put it in the bulletin this morning. And it's out of Lifeway where they said 29% of unchurched people in the United States have had a talk about the Christian faith by somebody. 29%. That's less than a third of everyone in the United States has actually had a Christian conversation. Sadly, it gets a little bit further. It says that's about one chance in four people to have been told about why someone has hope. That means three out of four have never heard it about. You know, that's when I have to ask God, why? Why? Why is it not being more spoken? Why are we not being bold like the Holy Spirit wants to give? Peter was bold. Peter was just downright cold bold. He didn't care what was going on. What God did was he took a man that would cut your ear off if you said the wrong thing, or he'd chastise you before you could finish your sayings. He gave him some restraint and gave him wisdom, but made him even more bold to not shut up. Could you imagine what he did with the rest of the disciples? John, he had to endure so much, but yet he said, nonetheless, I'm going to deal with it all. I'll die however you want to. You can poison me, you can burn me, you can do whatever. There's a determination that goes on, but why is the church not determined any longer? Come on. God knows. You know what the God, the Holy Spirit just brought into me? He says that what point two brings up. That the too often the church is speaking words that have no power and authority because they're fighting the wind. I don't know. When he spoke those words to me, I said, what, God? He says, you don't realize it. It's like being a child all over again. We're over here looking at the fan, speaking into it, getting kicks and giggles because he's bringing comfort into our lives. Oh, God, you're bringing comfort. The sweat's gone. Holy Spirit, give me that comfort and all that it is. And he says, I have more to you than you'd ever understand. You're speaking words in here because you think it's fun to hear me distort it back to you and make it repeated back. But what you don't realize you have to do as Christians is to turn the fan around. Because when we turn the fan around, guess what it does? It starts bringing it out even better and it's not distorted. It doesn't get broken apart because there's no resistance that's going through it. God is saying, I didn't design you to be the vessel that fights against me. I didn't design you, is what God's saying, to be the vessel that just gets comfort out of my possession and out of my purpose. I didn't design you just to fill the wind and get a little relief. I designed you to be the vessel that speaks through it. I designed you to be the vessel that lets everything that comes out of your mouth be the thing that glorifies God and is the exalting power to see that no one is lost. To see that there's no one that's depleted. That there's no one that's going to walk away empty-handed. Because there's power within it. But the church too often is fighting the Holy Spirit. 
No, I'm not trying to tell you the church of God has it all right. I'm not trying to tell you the assemblies of God's got it all right. I'm not telling you the Baptist church has it all right. But what I'm trying to tell you is when we go into the Holy of Holies and we start seeking God and all that we are as we're opening up our lives to say, Lord, go in and dwell within me. Let me be the temple that you designed. Because when you tore that veil on that cross, when you died, what you were saying was that I could be the new temple. Dwell within me. But too often the churches are getting into this moment of closing their doors in their own hearts because they're afraid of what people are going to seek and believe. Because they're too afraid of what it looks like when the Holy Spirit starts moving. That's why when you see people that are, have the Holy Spirit upon them and in them and they're being obedient, reading people's mail, you can tell the difference. But there's other Christians in the world that like to say Christian on the t-shirt. They wear the necklace and they're like, oh, I'm good. But there's no power. Could you imagine coming to this place with no power on in the heat of the day? Having no AC in the building? We'd all be like, oh, I'm dying. I can't do it any longer. But that's what church members look like when they don't let the Holy Spirit empower them. Because the Spirit was meant to go in you to make you alive and to make you the vessel that's speaking out everything that He's got. And what does that look like, Pastor? I don't know. It looks like a lot of crazy stuff sometimes. Because my first emphasis of what the Holy Spirit does and how He moves upon His people was one of those weird experiences where I saw some lady with a beehive haircut that looked like Marge Simpson from the, the Simpsons TV show. Walking around and she started saying words and I'm like... Grandma, what's wrong with her? And she says, honey, you don't realize it. The Holy Spirit's moving through her. I said, Grandma, but why don't I understand what she's saying? She says, honey, you're not always going to understand every word that God says. Because sometimes conversations that God uses you to have are meant for man. I said, Grandma, but she looks weird. And she says, I know, honey, I know she looks weird. But I said, Grandma, no, you don't realize. She says, you'll understand when you finally get it in you. Can I tell you right now, Grandma was right. Because I can remember the moment that I got saved. I remember crying it out, and then I remember, Lord, I said, Lord, I'm going to live my life like I got up out of the back. I'm going to live my life like I got up after the baptistry. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to be dead to self. Lord, I need you to raise me up every single day. And what happened was this supernatural thing came out where my lips started stammering and words started coming out that I didn't understand. And I was like, Lord, what is this? And he says, you don't realize it right now, but I'm equipping you and empowering you with something so supernatural that the enemy doesn't even understand. And that's what we call tongues or the gift of glacia. It's, it's the ability to speak of the heavenly languages in a way that the enemy has no power to understand. But it's also the power that gives you the ability to do some awesome things 
The church of God's doctrine that you are in right now says that we believe that when the Holy Spirit dwells upon you and inside of you, what the, one of the first initial signs of it is the gift of speaking in tongues. It's the gift of heavenly languages. It's not something that you control. It's not something that you have. But it's something that empowers you and shows what he's doing within you. It seems weird. But it comes to those that want it. It comes into those that are saying, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. And that's what Pentecost is about. It's about making the decision to say, Lord, it's not about me any longer, but I want what you got. And that's why Paul would say that, uh, that according to 1 Corinthians 14 and 1, which is point three, that we should pursue love earnestly and desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. What he's talking about is we need to seek God with everything that we have and pursue after him and allow him to be the thing that edifies us. And allow him to be the thing that empowers us. Gives us that hope and that ability to get through every single moment and situation. Better yet to love everyone. You see what I'm trying to get at church. Who the Holy Spirit is. Is the God that dwells within you. He's the God that empowers every bit of who you are. He's the fire that you need in your life. That's why the front of the baptism says uh, water baptism and spirit of fire, the baptism of fire. We need the spirit of fire in every single member of the church nowadays more than ever. I'm so tired of seeing a cold church that has no fire, no heat behind it, no power, no authority any longer. We need to start having the people that says, I want more authority because of what God is doing within me. Because I know the spiritual principalities are real. And I'm ready to see Satan just get kicked to the side of the road. I'm ready to see him get six, uh, kicked to the side of the road at Target. I'm ready to get him kicked to the side of the road in my household. I'm ready to see him get kicked to the side of the road in every event that I go to that people keep worshiping self and not God. I'm ready to see the power come through that we need each and every single moment. Because we need him. More than ever. And church, it, it, it's scary to see a church that's not empowered by the Spirit. Amy, if you guys would come on up. The church needs to realize that while the Holy Spirit does work in or, or work from the outside in, and every believer, we all have to have the starting point. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to come in you and change you from the outside or inside out. He wants to make you better. But it comes from the starting point where you make the decision. Lord, I need you and I want you. Memorial Day, we remember what people did for the ultimate sacrifice. Easter, we remembered what Jesus did on the cross and he raised from the dead. Today, we remember that we are not enough and that we need him. Church, if you'll stand with me this morning. We are not enough. But he is more than able to make you conquerors. We are not enough. But he's able to make you strong. We are not enough, but he will empower you and equip you. 
He will give you things like the words of wisdom. He will give you things like words of knowledge. He will give you things like faith that goes beyond all measure. He will give you things like gifts of healings. He will give you things of miracles. He will give you things of prophecies. He will give you things of discernment. He will give you things of tongues and the ability to interpret them when it's time. He will give you the things to empower you to be leaders. To be prophets, to be teachers, to be apostles. To help. To bring administration gifts. He will give you fruits to give you the ability to show God's true nature within your life. But it all comes to this moment. It all comes to the moment where you realize you're not enough and you need Him more and more in you. Church, what I'm needing you to do right now is I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith if you want His power within you to come forward. As you make the declaration of what Ezekiel wrote where he says that God is going to put a new heart within you and a new spirit within you and He will remove the heart of stone and put a heart of flesh within you that you will have the ability to encase His goodness and obey His rules. That's you this morning and you want that this morning. Will you come up this morning? If that's you this morning and you want to make that decision, we want to pray with you. But I want to encourage you, if you come up this morning, don't look left or right. Start asking God on the steps on the way up, Lord, I need you right now. God, I need you to empower me to get through this mess. God, I need you to do that. Start asking God, God, I want your spirit. That's you this morning. Come on up this morning as we sing the song. I surrender all.